Welcome to A Magical Life, Health, Wealth and Weight Loss. I'm your host, Magic Barclay, Lead Practitioner at Holistic Natural Health Australia and number one best-selling author. In this podcast, I aim to give you practical tips on how to accelerate and sustain your health, increase your financial, spiritual and emotional wealth and to look at something that haunts many of us needlessly, weight loss. In some episodes, I'll have guests available to give you even more tips, but in others, the floor is yours. Drop us a line at A Magical Life Podcast on Facebook and let me know what you would like to know more about. Now, sit back and enjoy, because it is time for you to create and truly discover a magical life. Welcome back to A Magical Life. I'm your host, Magic Barclay, and today I'm again joined by Lachlan Dunn. You may remember me talking to Lachlan in episodes 123 and 124. We talked about all things shadows and transcendent exploration. Welcome back, Lachlan. Magic, thank you immensely for having me back on the show. Just a whole bunch of gratitude for you and looking forward to uh, yeah, getting into this conversation. My pleasure. Now, I really felt this episode was important. And listeners, I'll tell you why. Lachlan, as you may remember, is a quite a young man, but an old soul. And I think this episode is important for our children, for Lachlan's generation and younger, because guess what? We are robbing our young people of their lives. I'm about to turn 50. I've said that a few times on this podcast. I lived in the 70s and 80s. I got to do a whole lot of stupid stuff before it hit the internet, before everybody knew about it. I mean, geez, people had to get their Polaroid camera out to take an embarrassing photo wait for it to develop, and then remember where they put it at the end of the night to embarrass me. I mean, you know, the young people just don't have that these days. So listeners, stick with us in this episode. We are going to be walking the tightrope of being a little bit controversial, but for a reason, because our young people need to live their lives. So Lachlan, let's go. We were just talking off air about, you know, young people, we've raised them. I haven't raised my kids this way, but I know a lot of friends have raised their young people to not be questioning things, to just accept that this is the way it is. This is what the law says. This is what you must do. And I I look at my boys and I see them with their friends. My boys are asking questions. Why can't I go in that restaurant? Why can't I walk down the street? you know, and smile at people and show them my face. Why can't I? That doesn't look right. What would be your suggestion to younger people now about questioning what they're seeing, what's going on around them, and following their gut feeling? Yeah, well, I think first we need to be aware that it's probably going to be inevitable for these young kids to be questioning things as they specifically go through this really interesting time period as the personality and ego begins to 
develop and they're so open to the world you know kids are so truthful and honest and are seeing it way more real than we are seeing it because there's well I'm only 23 and I think this is why I'm probably in the position that I'm in because I've done the work so early on to decondition to deprogram to remove all the all the lies essentially you know the more work that I do the more I realize that everything that I've been taught is a lie and so if that's true and we've been raised within this and I wouldn't call it a matrix, and I think we've been using that word wrong because if we look at the etymological root meaning of the word matrix, it actually means the mother and the womb. You know, if anything, we should be using that word interchangeably with God or source, and this is just a, a side note on word manipulation, but we've been raised within what I would call the God tricks, which is this whole giant occult, meaning invisible web that has been set up to dumb people down and to suppress human intelligence and to just make us these biological robots. That has been the design. And so with that awareness, and kids see that, they know that. And this is why I think teenagers have so much conflict with their parents because they see the world for how it truly is, but you have your parents then projecting their programming onto you. And I'll speak to this for myself when I fell into a great deep depression around 14 years old, because intuitively I knew that the world wasn't what I had been told, that it was actually much more harmonious, that we were not selfish, savage, ape-like, aggressive, angry, upset, evil people that are just, you know, divisive. And that's what I had been having projected onto me, right, that we are all those qualities when intuitively inside I knew that my innate nature was unconditional selflessness, was unconditional love. And I feel like we all go through this. And this is kind of getting to something deeper within our psychologically upset state due to this conflict that we have with all this external program that's been put on us to make us think we are these things and that we are just this very mechanical, you know, it's such a <laughs> constrictive and limited narrative that they program into us. But we have this opportunity as we grow to reverse that and this age when kids are 12 and 13 14 15 into 16 they are going to spontaneously be questioning things and this is where parents need to give their children the space to just openly ask questions and for you to not necessarily give them the answers if you don't know and let them explore things like parents can't be projecting so much of their own shadow and their own trauma onto their kids we have to really let them flourish you know it's like you know another plant reaching over to a seedling growing and just covering it up and like restricting its growth like if parents can in a loving way and this is love this is unconditional love for you to separate yourself and allow the kid to fully grow and fully develop we mentioned this in uh the second episode we did with the fact that we don't have a lot of real adults in the world because kids don't go through rites of passage and they don't get an opportunity 
to even just question the things that are going on in the world without being immediately shut down or criticized and criticized even from their internal nature, that programming, right, that goes against our intuitive nature. So that's kind of just where I I would start. There's so many things that I've brought up and, yeah, I want to see where you want to take it, but I hope that makes sense. Definitely does. And I love that that you say there's no real adults anymore. I know when I was growing up it was do this because I said so. Or if I cried, it was stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get to really explore why I felt the way I felt, why I believed what I believed. And it wasn't until later that I did deprogram myself and go, you know what, this doesn't sound right. Stuff that I'm not doing it. You know, maybe politically incorrect that, you know, I want to travel by myself and I don't care if I'm driving at night and, you know, I'm not being a safe little girl. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't mean anything. Adventure means more and I'm going to learn more that way. But I look now at my kids and that opportunity isn't there. As much as my kids are very free thinking, I'm scared of what the world has become. And I have one that's just started driving and I wouldn't let him drive somewhere he needed to be yesterday by himself because I've noticed there's a lot more absent-minded people on the road and I'm not going to say why I think that is, but I didn't want him in danger on the road. I've become this, you know, all-protective mama bear. Mama bear, yeah, and I shouldn't have to be. I should be letting him go for a drive wherever the heck he wants for however long he wants because it's his car, it's his license, it's his money. But I'm feeling encroached upon by other people again. And something my son and I discussed last night when I explained why I didn't want him driving was, you know, exactly that, my need to be a mama bear. And his response was quite interesting. He was like, well, how about you go out and play in your veggie garden and I go for a drive and I prove that I'm safe? Mm. I thought, that's interesting. He's taking charge of this. So how would you suggest that mama bears like myself give our young people that freedom that we we desperately want to give them but you know the world is kind of a bit of a scary place yeah and i think i'll get to how mama bears can create more more space but you do touch on the reality of things at the moment which is that the world is a somewhat very scary place now why is it a scary place It's a scary place because people are not cleaning up and have all these disintegrated pieces of themselves that they're just projecting unconsciously. We basically have a very unconscious population that hasn't cleaned up. We've been so focused on love and light and just being happy and one-sided and living in a fantasy that we haven't addressed all of these other aspects and qualities that we've collectively denied, which is what is being projected out there into the world and reflected back at us. The monster is us, right? The, the Whatever you want to call it, the evilness, the, the monster, the, 
the God tricks, this whole thing is actually a reflection of our own unconscious. It's interesting when you look at the media and you look at the whole thing, it literally reflects what we call uh, the shadow in psychology. It's deceptive, it's manipulative, it creates illusions, it's horribly violent. I mean, they're all the qualities that we repress and say that we aren't and that we do not own and we are not aggressive and we are not this and we are not that. We will repress that and it's impossible for us to totally repress that. It has to be projected out there into the world and then reflected back at us And I'll just wrap this little comment up with Carl Jung's amazing quote, which is incredibly insightful. And I encourage people to meditate on this, which is your unconscious will always meet you on the outside until you meet it on the inside. And I think that's what we're getting an opportunity to do right now as a collective is face our shadow, Watiko in the Indigenous Americans concept of this mind virus the human condition plato's cave whatever you want to call it i think this is like something that we just must address i personally think it's at the root which is why i'm harping on about it today so much but with that said and just to point out you know that reality is scary because of us and we need to take responsibility and clean up ourselves but i think and i'm no parent so this is (laughs) Interesting. I'm really only talking from my own relationship with my mom. And I didn't have the greatest relationship with my mom. And she was also a mama bear. And I had so much conflict with that because all I wanted to do was go off and explore. And exploring at that time meant going out and smoking weed and doing all these different things that were, you know, obviously very concerning to a mama bear. But for me, incredibly important, incredibly mind expanding, massively shifting my life. So I think I just encourage mama bears to be, just be open. And if they are to leave the nest in a time where you do feel concerned to just instill consciousness in them, you know, for them to just ask questions, just be mindful, keep me in the back of your mind, know how much I love you and everything, and then just let them wander off. Because then how do we in this world get real men and real women and real individual citizens of the universe if they don't leave their nest? And it's also good for both individuals or, you know, everyone in the situation to understand how what seems challenging is simultaneously supporting your highest values. So as much as letting the child leave the nest suck in times of when, you you know, you feel it's a, a time you don't want to let them go, how much growth you get to go through during that time. And even if something catastrophic happens, All crises are blessings in disguise, gifts wrapped up in a totally different way. And I hope that helps. (laughs) That certainly does help. And you know what? That was part of the end of our discussion with between myself and my son. And that was he said, I'm aware of what other drivers are doing. Mm. I'm seeing it. You know, I'm experiencing it. Mm. I've got my eyes open. And I was like, okay, maybe you should have told me that this morning. <laughs> yeah. 
And that's the communication is a big thing too for both parties to just express how they truly feel. Exactly. There is no right, there is no wrong, there is just expression. Exactly. And we've been programmed to have (laughs) rights and wrongs, that what you're doing is bad from my perspective and my values. And it's also, I think, now that this pops up, which is values, and we're always projecting our values onto people, which is kind of rude and disrespectful, but we're just unconscious of it. But how unrealistic is it for all of us to expect other people to live within our values? I mean, that's just completely unrealistic. I mean, that's a straight up fantasy. And it's only going to lead you to getting upset over them not living within your values. Like to me, that's that's kind of silly, but we just don't even see that. We don't even recognize that we're projecting our values onto our kids or onto our friends to live within our specific perceived values, which they don't even know. They're not even conscious of your values. And then you get angry at them, you begin to project onto them, and it leads to, you know, some drama and, and whatever when it could be much more harmonious when you speak from highest value to highest value. We speak in terms of what's most important to each other. And so then we don't fall into miscommunication. You feel like that's important? Totally. Lachlan, while we're talking about shadows and about values, here's something I have to bring up. I have been bombarded by some of my dearest, most treasured friends with inboxes full of what is going on in the world. And I don't have the energy, the time or the inclination to spend my life living in fear. So I guess what I'm getting at is it's it's great to be aware of what's going on around you and maybe some of the bigger things in play in the world at the moment. That's great. But constantly living in fear of it and almost sharing a kind of fear porn, like you Mm -hmm. kind of get off on being scared. It doesn't make sense to me. But anyway, (laughs) by sharing that en masse to messenger, to email, to text, to telegram, to signal, to all of these things, it's bringing my vibration down and I've stopped looking. In Mm. fact, I've started silencing chats because I don't want to hear from these people because I'm sick of it which means I'm also missing out other important messages because the boy cried wolf one too many times. So why do you think, obviously we have, you know, the people that believe everything that's going on in the world at the moment and mm. it's up to them. Yeah. It's their choice. And then we have people that don't. But why do you think some people need to propel this living in fear? Uh, yeah, I think that's a, that's a question we need to ask fear because <laughs> fear can take on like such a life of its own. And I think when we have so many disembodied, disintegrated individuals, it's very easy for that to become rampant and its own kind of aggregate or thought form and people just through their actions and through, you know, even if they're watching very educational and mind-awakening documentaries, they can become so woke that they're weak and they get become so woke that they live in fear. You know, I mean, I know for sure I've gone down some deep rabbit holes into our very ugly past 
and being like, oh, this is just absolutely terrible. Like, what's the point of even being here and trying and, and everything? And I was so woke that I became weak and just trapped in this fear. And then I just wanted to share that low vibrational fear with everyone. You know, I think it's it's something that can be very contagious. It is very parasitic. I mean, with the way that, you know, the media has just invested their own energy into into fear it is this uh, thing that we need to internally really understand how to how to shift but i think if people are sharing it so much they clearly haven't really internalized and come to a conclusion or actually dealt with it like at what point are you going to stop sharing shit like at what point do you get it like do you get it like you sharing it with me a thousand times telling me that you still haven't got the message like, what are you watching it for at that point? So, yeah, I think it's just coming down to dealing with fear, dealing, addressing, addressing that itself, which will probably be different on all levels for many different people. Well said, definitely well said. Now, I've done a lot of leading questions here so far. What is something you think the listeners should hear? Mm. Well, I think to carry on from uh, this kind of waking up, right, like understanding what the truth really is, if there's a place to start with waking up rather than diving into who's really behind the government and chemtrails and weather manipulation and nanotechnology and vaccines and whatever it is, I'm sorry if I use that word, you can cut that out, bioweapon. Uh, I don't know if that word's allowed either. but um, Probably not. Rather than diving into all of those first, unless you're in like a real diehard situation where you absolutely need to understand what the injection is, the first place to go is to understand who you actually are. And this comes back to this psychologically upset state which is really a condition of a misidentity you know we're playing out as people who we think we are not and limited physical beings but when we understand our true multi-dimensional nature when we go down that road when we invest as much energy as we do into watching documentaries and videos and reading articles when we invest that in doing internal work and connecting to who we truly are, tapping in and wiring that connection to spirit, which requires us to breathe correctly because breath and spirit are synonymous. And most of us are disconnected from life. We're disconnected from relationships. We're disconnected from ourselves because we breathe through our mouths. <laughs> like quite literally, we're disconnected from life because we breathe through our mouths, because we breathe incorrectly, because we're not tapped in to spirit. When we breathe correctly, we infuse and build a bridge and hardwire that connection to spirit. And that then gives us some sort of platform and capacity to then connect into soul or whoever you discover you truly are, the observer, whatever you want to call it, Godhead source inside of you. But I think we need to first awaken to our true multidimensionality because then we won't be in fear. We will dissolve the illusion and fear of death. We will understand that energy cannot be destroyed or created. It can only be transformed. There's nothing to be scared about. Oh, my God. <laughs> There's like 
like death is just such a silly concept to me like when i look at it from a higher perspective like what a just such an interesting human construct that has definitely been used for fear but just for people to connect to who they truly are i think that's that's so important and i couldn't emphasize that message enough you know underline it highlight it circle it, exclamation marks connect to your true self 100%. <laughs> now, listeners, we have talked in previous episodes and I urge you to go through all the previous episodes and learn as much as you can about yourself. But we have talked about what drives our shadow values, what drives our golden values, who we are. So when Lachlan says connect with yourself, that means your actual self, what you stand for, what keeps you going every single day, what you think might hold you back every single day, why that does, you know, what is your hill that you want to die on? For me, it's my family. Like, you know, go after my kids. Not only is Mama Bear going to come out, but so will the whole, you know, every army from every era pointed Mm. at you because (laughs) they are my highest value. Really do connect with yourself not what people tell you to believe, not Mm. what people tell you not to believe because, you know, there's people on both sides of every coin, but what you believe, what you really in your heart know to be true, not what the TV tells you, not what the neighbour down the street tells you, not no, what or your head or brain tells you, what your heart. Yeah, tells or you your head or your brain. Exactly, that could be heart. a bit wrong. Really connect to your soul. Mm. The heart is the seat of the soul, and I love a quote which goes something like, "The longest trip we'll ever make is from the head to the heart. It's the longest one we'll ever make. It's going to be a hard one, but it's the most important one. It's to go from the head into the heart, which is the seat of the soul." And the cent- literally the centre of our physiology, the centre of our being, the centre of which this whole thing is arising from, go to that place, dig into there. Totally. And a great way to do that, many people meditate. I know Lachlan does. I actually struggle to meditate in a conscious form. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I just sit somewhere quietly and I wait for my brain to stop chattering and I stop thinking about absolutely everything. And sometimes this can take a couple of hours because I'll go, oh, look, there's a bug or, <laughs> oh, my leg's itchy, I'll scratch that or, you know, something will happen. But really sit there till nothing happens and then it, your light bulb moment will happen. You'll find out what you're connected to. Yeah, I always love that moment. It <laughs> when, is. It's great. Isn't you, it? It's so funny. Like when you shine the light on the witness, on the observer, you have that, you know, realization. It's uh, It floods the body with uh, consciousness and love, I believe. But it does take, if you're a person like me, listeners, it does take patience to get to that point. So if you tell me to meditate, Every hair on the back of my neck will stand up. (laughs) I cannot do it. I cannot shut my mind down consciously. So I have to give it, sometimes it takes up to six hours. I have to give it the six hours that it takes for every thought in my brain 
to run its course, to hit a brick wall or a dead end because I'm not engaging with it. Mm. And that means, you know, I probably don't do it as often as I should because it does take me so long and I'm aware it takes yeah. me so long. I'm, but, I'm Sorry, I'm just giggling in the background because I got the image of like the ego being, you know, and that's what you're referring to. With the yeah. Mind. It's like a dog and meditation is the opportunity to let it off the leash and let it go run around and just think its thoughts and go through its things and then it get ba- gets back and it's tired and it's rest and like now you have a beautiful scenery, you know. <laughs> Totally. Well, you know, it takes six hours for my dog to run around the dog park, roll in the mud, play in the creek, sniff the other dogs, and then finally come back to me. But, (laughs) you know, it does happen. And listeners, I know we're being a bit silly here, but really, if you do hear the word meditate and you're a bit like me and you just go, ugh, no, that's not my bag, it's not mine either. Mm -hmm. But I do, every couple of weeks, give myself I actually write off the whole day in my calendar and I give myself as much time as I need to get to the point where there is no chatter. Yeah. There is no noise. The TV's not on. The radio's not on. I'm not thinking about the thousand of things that I should be doing. I just finally get to the point where I notice nothing and that's when I notice the most. So definitely try that if you're not a meditation person, that's okay. I'm not, <laughs> but yeah. that's what I have to do. <laughs> yeah, I'll throw a tip in here or a, just a practice people can try if they really, <laughs> I guess it's for those who are super committed and enthusiastic because it requires getting up at around 3 a.m. in the morning to meditate. It's just increasing your ability to get down into those theta delta brain waves, which is where, where the landscape really is, I guess, what we'd call no mind which is just like the ever-present witness experience of all that is. And getting up at three in the morning, you're coming out of delta brainwaves through deep sleep, and you can kind of keep that. If you imagine the, the brainwaves like a set of gears in a car, you know, you can keep it in third gear, stay in theta, and then, you know, if you put a little bit of breath work in there um, and focus and tension, you know, you might be able to make it back down into Delta and have that experience consciously. Um, so it's something that I like doing, but I'm a very Pitta dominant type, um, speaking from an Ayurvedic perspective, meaning I'm very fire dominant. And so I get up super duper early and I'm naturally spontaneously waking up at 3.30 anyways. Um, so I've found it to be amazing. Plus you have no car sounds and Really, only all you can hear is the electricity buzzing or the, unfortunately, the non-native electromagnetic radiation. But we're so much more powerful than that um, and we can overcome that. In that state, there is nobody, you know. You are nobody. So, yeah, just wanted to throw that out there for people who are, yeah, maybe interested in really getting into that state. You can use that window of 3 to 4 a.m. to really dive deep into your being. And that's the window where your liver and your kidneys are doing the most to help you. So really do use that time. A lot of people wake up at that time anyway because their liver's struggling to get through the thoughts or the actions or the toxins of the day before. Mm, But really do use that window and work with the liver and the kidneys because they want you to be healed. They want you to be clear. They want you to be toxin-free. And, you know, that sounds a bit woo-woo, but... 
It's actually been proven scientifically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was just going to add in the sense like talk to your organs, talk to yourselves, clear them through verbally speaking it and internally uh, telepathically speaking. You can ask your liver to clear itself. You can ask yourselves to detoxify. You know, this like the, the mind, we're a mind body. It's not separated. They're directly integrated. The, the body is somewhat a crystallization of our mind and the narratives and the connection we have to it. So I don't, I mean, it sounds weird, but, you know, to me and you, this stuff is absolutely normal and is a vital tool that most people are disconnected from. And that's speaking to their body, connecting to it, even asking questions. What does it want when it's hungry? Like <laughs> this is a big thing around why we eat. Most of us mindlessly eat, you know, most people can't even give you an answer to uh, why they're eating. Um, but if you ask your body, it'll give you a very good reason um, to eat and specific things. So, yeah, I think speaking to your body is powerful. It certainly is. Now, I think we need to wrap this episode up. But, look, listeners, I hope we've given you and your young people in your life a bit more information on how to connect to self and really how to ask questions, question everything. Question what you see around you, question what you're told, but question yourself. Mm -hmm. Why am I doing this? Why do I think this? Is that what I truly believe? Is that what I truly value? Like question everything. Yes. And then be able to draw boundaries as well, just as we're wrapping this up. You know, once you begin to question things, you might have to cut some things out. You know, you might have to make some shifts and changes and that's all okay. Do not feel um, like put yourself down for having to cut certain people off or remove certain things from your life. That's a part of the process. The awakening process ain't the most fun and beautiful process like we've been led to believe, but it's uh, necessary. And if we need to make change, we need to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And it's important for both parent and children to be going through that together, holding hands through this experience, but also being able to um, have that distance, understand each other's values and love each other unconditionally. True love. I don't even think we've scraped the surface of, of love. I think mama bears understand true love and there's a whole conversation we could have around that, but uh, I'll leave it at that. Very well said. Now, listeners, you can find Lachlan on Linktree slash Lachlan Dunn 6. Definitely reach out. He's an amazing young man. Thank you again for joining me, Lachlan. It's been an absolute pleasure, Magic. Thank you immensely. It's been my pleasure. Now, listeners, this was your episode 147 of A Magical Life. In episode 148, Rachel Astart will be talking about celebrating solitude so that's a good one to uh, look forward to again listeners thank you so much for your time I know we've kind of gone here there and everywhere today but there were some important topics that we needed to address so thank you again for your time go forth and create your magical life thanks for listening today please subscribe to hear future episodes leave a review and share this podcast you can follow us on Facebook at A Magical Life Podcast or at Holistic Natural Health Australia. That's holistic with a W. 
You can find us on Instagram at Holistic Natural Health or at www.holisticnaturalhealth.com.au. That's where you'll access all sorts of articles, freebies and more.